Hey, how's it going, Christ community? Good stuff, good to see you. Um, I'm really great, grateful for our students and uh, that they know and believe that they are the church, not of tomorrow, but the church of today. And I think that's a really powerful thing. And so um, it's our pleasure to be led by them uh, this, this weekend. So thanks for being a part of that. Thanks for letting them lead you. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm really thankful for the chance that we have to be together. Uh, to launch this, we're celebrating uh, this weekend um, we're sending an adult team to the Dominican Republic on an adult mission trip. And so uh, on the screen there for you, we have uh, the members of this team. And uh, we are in partnership with uh, Mission 2535 down in the DR. And this is a newer partnership for us. We've sent a couple of student teams, a couple of vision teams down there. And uh, so this is really starting to get rolling. And they will, this is the last weekend that we'll be together as a church before they go on their trip. So we wanna send them out by praying for them. And so we've got faces on the screen for you. But if you're part of this team and you're in the room, would you please stand so that we can pray for you? All right. So um, if you would bow your head and close your eyes with me, I'd like to voice our prayer as a church if you let me please do that. So. Father, thank you for this team of men and women who have said yes to your call in their lives to give themselves to you for this week, particularly in the DR, but these are all yes people. And it's our privilege to be their church and to send them and to be for them as they go. And so for these moments, we hold them up in prayer to you. So we pray that you would... Um, Give them your eyes to see, your ears to hear, your heart to understand what's happening in their own lives and the lives of the people that they have contact with. I pray that they would be servants, that they would have great opportunity to speak of you, that they would be great representatives of your life and your love, and that everything that happens uh, this leading into it and in this week while they're in the DR would honor you, Lord Jesus, great opportunities for them to love each other and to serve our neighbors. So thank you, and we really appreciate their yes and our yes as a church, and we pray these things in your name, amen. So thank you guys, we're really proud of you and really excited for you to go. Um, so again, if I haven't met you, my name's Daryl Holden, and I'm really excited to talk with you today. This is one of my favorite subjects that I get to talk about. Um, I'm gonna start by telling you a story. So when I was about nine years old, we lived in Kansas at that time, and uh, we had family that lived in Bakersfield, California. And so I got to go, like on one of the trips to go visit our grandma, we got to go to Disneyland. My brother and I got to go with our mom and dad and a couple other cousins and aunts and uncles, and we went down to Disneyland. And I don't remember a ton about that trip, because I was young, and, but I do remember there was a particular ride that we were on, it was called the Jungle Cruise. And this is my only experience at Disneyland at that point in my life. I don't think I'd seen the movie The Jungle Cruise, didn't know anything about it, so we're on the Jungle Cruise ride. And boat's full and we're cruising through and there's you know different animals from the jungle off in the side and the guide in the boat is pointing them out to us and I'm a little kid and so I'm kind of feeling like I'm on a real jungle cruise and he begins like we can see this waterfall, kind of hear this waterfall in the distance and, and the guide in the boat begins to talk about, he's gonna show us this amazing thing when we get to the waterfall and he begins to build up the waterfall and what's gonna happen when we go behind it. We're gonna go behind the waterfall and behind the waterfall, there's just, we're gonna see something like we've never seen before. And so I remember sitting next to my brother, just the anticipation in our little nine and seven year old lives, just 
just building the anticipation and we, we go behind the waterfall wondering what this amazing thing is that we're gonna see. And, and the guide kind of stops and he says, it's the backside of water. So, so at nine years old, I thought it was hilarious. And I still think it's kind of funny today. My humor hasn't developed a whole lot since then. So I thought it was hilarious, and I didn't know at that point, like if you watch the Jungle Cruise movie, the old, old one, the backside of water joke is in there. If you watch the new one, the backside of water joke is in there. If you've been on the Jungle Cruise ride, like we all heard the same joke. I didn't know that was my first time. I watched it, it's the backside of water. And, and to me, it was like, it's, it's just this crazy thing. I saw the joke was funny, but you know what's interesting? It didn't matter, we were on the front side of that, front side of that waterfall, and then we were on the back side of that waterfall. It looked the same, because you know, front side, back side, water's water, right? Unless, unless you're really thirsty, right? Unless water is in short supply, and then it's not just water, like it is, it is water. And now we've all heard the phrase, you've heard the phrase that familiarity breeds contempt, right? It's true, it's true. Anytime we have an abundance of something, anytime we have unfettered access to something, no matter how important it is to us, no matter how valuable it is to us, it becomes common. And, and so that's one of the things that was just a natural drift that we have as human beings is no matter how important something is or no matter how valuable something is to humankind in general or to a group of people, if we have an overabundance of it, if we have constant access to it, then, then you and I, like to us, it's just gonna be common, it's gonna be familiar. So we're in this series here these first few weeks of January, it's really an identity series, we've talked about it, we're just calling it, it's a question, who, me? Like is, is this something that's true about me? Last week, we talked about how you are dearly loved and how you are dearly loved by God, and if you missed that, I'd really encourage you to go back and watch it online. This week, I wanna talk with you about how you are or you can be part of something that is awesome. And in saying that word awesome, I, I know, I use it all the time, we use it in our culture a lot of time, we use it so often, it's really kinda lost, kinda lost the value of the word awesome, and so I was looking up some other words, here's some other words that, that kinda would, could replace that word awesome, it's, how about this, astonishing, wonderful, amazing, beautiful, miraculous. And so this thing that, we are, or you can be part of, that is, that is awesome, but we have so much of it, we have such unfettered access to it, that it becomes common in our sight, is the church. And, and when you have something that has been, like that is, that is valuable, but you've lost value of it because it's so abundant to you, the best thing for us in that moment is, is for somebody who sees the beauty and the value to come alongside and to remind you of the beauty and the value of this thing that you have, that has become common to you. And so what I wanna do for us this weekend is I wanna talk about the beauty and the value of the church, but not, not from my perspective, because like those of you, you, you come here and some of you work here and some of you come here and you're regularly involved and, and so you see the church from one side of it and then you know I work here all week and so I see the church maybe from a little different side of it but if I were gonna give you my perspective on the church, basically what would happen is I'd be showing you the backside of water. Like from, from where you sit, from where I sit, 
We see basically the same thing, and my perspective, like, wouldn't, wouldn't really change a whole lot for you, wouldn't really raise the value in your life that you get to be or could be part of something awesome. So what I wanna do is I wanna share with you this weekend heaven's perspective on the church. I want us to, I want us to see the church from heaven's point of view. And just spoiler alert for our time together today, when heaven looks at the church, from heaven's point of view, there's nothing more astonishing. There's nothing more wonderful, more beautiful, more amazing, or more miraculous than the church. So I wanna jump into this heaven's point of view by showing you what I, I think is the first thing that Jesus said when he, about the church. And so this, this gets us started in the right direction. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, and Jesus and his followers are having a conversation. They've just been moving, traveling, and so when they came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And when he uses the term Son of Man, Jesus is always talking about himself, so who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, who at that point had been martyred. Others say Elijah, who was one of the ancient prophets. Still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And, and in hearing that and thinking about, like hearing Jesus talk about his church, just a couple of things really pop up to me. The first thing is that Jesus says, he says, it's my church. Right? It's, it's, not, it's not a pastor's church, it's not a group of people's church, it's not a leader's church, it's not the most generous person financially, it, it's, not, it's, not any, it's not a human being's church, it is, it is my church. And, and he makes that statement, like he, it's his, and he owns it, and I build this church, like he builds it, it's, it's his church, and then he says, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so in that little statement there, what we can hear is like there's, there's this expectation of spiritual opposition and spiritual battle, but also spiritual victory. And so, so Jesus kind of gets us moving in the direction, thinking about church, thinking about his church and how it's, it's a spiritual juggernaut, like this, the church experiences spiritual victory. And so kind of headed in that direction, what I'd like to do, let me show you five things, five points, five things about heaven's point of view. When heaven looks at the church, what does heaven see? And so the first thing, when heaven looks at church, heaven sees the body of Christ. I'll give you a couple of verses there, just part of this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. The Apostle Paul writing to the ancient church of Corinth has been given this beautiful image of the body and how the body works together and everybody has a part, serve in it. And he just says to him towards the end of that conversation, he says to him, hey, you are the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. None of you by yourself are the body of Christ. You together make up the body of Christ. And so when heaven looks at the church, it sees the body of Christ. In Ephesians chapter one, verse 22, God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And, and so this idea of Jesus being the head of the church, we're the body and, and we're the fullness. And, and so this idea of Jesus fills the church with all of who he is and all of his blessings because he loves his own body and he takes care of it. And so when we think about the church, when we think about the church, when heaven looks at the church, this is, this is Jesus's body. The church is Jesus's physical manifestation on earth. Like this is, the church is how Jesus makes himself known on earth. In Acts chapter one, starts out, like talks about, so this guy named Luke, he wrote the gospel of Luke and he wrote Acts. And so it's kind of a two volume little history biography, Jesus's life, the gospel, and then of the early church. And in Acts chapter one, as Luke's writing, he says, hey, that last volume, Luke, I wrote all those things about what Jesus began to do and teach while he was still on earth. And he writes Acts to continue his conversation about what Jesus does and teaches through his body, the church. And so the church is, it's the physical representation of Jesus on earth. You've heard, if you're around very much, or if you listen to Christian radio, you've heard people say that, that the church is the hands and feet of Jesus. And it's, that's entirely true. The church is the body of Jesus, and often when we talk about these things, we get, we get down to the details of like, okay, what's your part in it? What part are you playing, and are you playing a part? And for our time together this weekend, I don't wanna, I don't wanna go there with you. I'm just gonna tell you when heaven, looks, when heaven looks at the church, heaven sees the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. And so we are the body of Christ as, as his church, and that's an amazing thing that we get to be part of. The second thing, from heaven's point of view. Not just the body of Christ, but also the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. So there's this picture of marriage relationship, and I, if, you're, if you're a guy in the room and being part of a bride makes you uncomfortable, yeah, me too, a little bit, but like, let's push on through that because it's what it means for us. So in Ephesians chapter five, verses 31 and 32, the subject of marriage comes up and the Apostle Paul writes about this, and he goes back and he quotes when God established marriage in Genesis chapter two. It says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, the two will become one flesh. And that's what, when God established marriage, that's what he said about it. And then, as the Apostle Paul's writing to this church, he says, hey, this is, this is a profound mystery. The, the two becoming one, the, the unity that takes place. He says, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And, and so the, over and over again in the New Testament, the church is held out as, as the bride of Christ. And, and in that, we could know that we are deeply and profoundly loved by him. We're seen by him, we're heard by him, we're cared for, we're protected, we are provided for by him. I read an article this week prepping for our time together the, the guy who's writing the article talking about this subject, he said you know, the church is loved to death. Like Jesus loves the church to death. And sort of a play on words, really pointing to his love for us and that he died for us. And, and last week, if you were here and you heard talk about how God loves you, he does, God loves you individually. He loves each one of us to a degree that unless he, unless he tells us 
and shows it to us, we just can't see it and can't understand it. And this is, not to, this is not to diminish that or pollute that in any way. This is on top of God's love for you as an individual. He has, Jesus has this, he has this love for his church that is beyond my ability to put into words. And, and it's not, it, what it is is it's, it's infinite, it's divine, infinite love like squared. And so you are, you are loved by God and if you're part of his church, then you are, you are loved by Jesus as his bride the church is the, when heaven looks, when heaven looks at the church, heaven sees the bride of Jesus and, and knows his love, his concern, his protection, his provision for, for us as, as his church. And so, so heaven sees the bride of Jesus. And then this third thing, when heaven looks at the church, it sees God's building his temple, it's the place where he dwells. In 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse 16, writing to the ancient church at Corinth, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And he's, it, it is absolutely true, if you're a believer in Jesus, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That is absolutely true, and, and, as we are together his church, we are his temple, his dwelling place. You kind of let this extend off of the idea of being the body of God's, of God's dwelling place on earth. We, we come together and we are the temple in an ancient, in ancient Judaism, the temple was in, was in Jerusalem. And if you read through the Old Testament, like the, that temple was in, it was the most important place. It was the holiest place. It was the place of God's, is dwelling place. And, and now, today, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension back to heaven, God's dwelling place is not a place, it's a people. And so we, the church, we are God's building, we are God's dwelling place here on earth. And in this, we're gonna read in just a moment, this building, God's dwelling place, is, it's, it, we're a people who are the pillar and support of the truth capital T kind of truth, it's an incredible privilege, it's an amazing thing that we get to be part of, and so that really leads me to this fourth thing, God's family. From heaven's point of view, when heaven looks at the church, it also sees God's family. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, the apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor at a church, there he says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions. So 1 Timothy is a set of instructions I'm writing these instructions so that if I don't get there soon, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And God's household, God's family is the church. And this is, this is the place where God's sons and daughters live and dwell. And, and so we have this incredible privilege of being brought into God's family, and if you read through the New Testament in particular, all the family language. You have older people writing to younger people and calling them beloved and calling them sons and daughters, and Christian people referencing each other as brothers and sisters, and they're, they're not related by blood, they're related by the blood of Jesus, and it, it is this, this beautiful place where, where we are the family of God. And it's this amazing thing, when, when you put your trust in Jesus as your savior, we read in Romans chapter eight that God adopts you. So you become, 
In that moment, when you trust Jesus as your savior, you become a child of God and he becomes your heavenly father and you have a, an intimate father-child relationship with him and you are adopted into that relationship with him. He brings you into that relationship and he brings you into his family, which is the church. And so we have this incredible privilege of being part of the family of God. And so, so when we look around and see each other and think about the people who are part of our church, they're not just people that we go to church with. From heaven's point of view, when heaven looks at the church, it doesn't see a group of people who kinda come to a common place at the same time every once in a while. It sees a group of people who are related by the blood of Jesus, the family, family that gathers together for family reasons. And so when heaven looks at the church, it sees, it sees God's family. And, and it's a beautiful thing to heaven. And then this last thing, from heaven's point of view, the church is a golden lampstand. And this one kind of feels like a little left turn to me from where the other ones have been, but this is, this is an amazing thing. It's in the last book of the Bible. It's in Revelation chapter one. And it's a heavenly vision that, that God has given to the apostle John. And, and so I've just kind of grabbed a few of the verses there from Revelation chapter one. These are verse 12, 16, 20. I've kind of put some things together so you catch the flow without having to read through screens of it. So John is in, in this heavenly vision and he hears a voice. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. And so it's this mysterious scene. That this, it didn't mean much to John in that moment. It was curious to him. He was trying to understand it. And without explanation, you and I don't know what it is. And so he goes on and he says, the mystery of the seven stars, the son of man is speaking. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And if you were to go on and read the next couple of chapters of Revelation, you would see Jesus speaking to the golden lampstands to his church. And, and in, this, in this image of the church being a golden lampstand, we get a couple of things. The first thing is it's gold. It's, it's made of gold, so it is, it is this precious invaluable thing, but more than, more than the gold is the idea of the lampstand, and, and the, it would have been a candle in that day, and it is, it is light in the darkness, and it is warmth where there is cold, and when, it, when there is light and warmth, it is, draws people in from darkness and from isolation, and so it's this wonderful picture of what the church is in the world. The church is the lampstand. The church is a golden lampstand. God's, God's message holding up God's light and God's life to the people and to the world who are around us. And so when heaven looks at the church down on earth, it sees, it sees this golden lampstand shining the light and life of Jesus. And so, so this is what heaven sees when heaven looks at the church. 
what you and I see when we look at the church, most of us, we just, we drift to apathy. So we see a place that we come to, a lot or every once in a while. We see people, many of them we like, some of them maybe not so much. We, we, see, we see worship styles, we th- see things we prefer, we see things we wish were different, this is how we are, we're people. We see, we see what is common because we have access to it and it is so available to us. But when heaven looks at the church, heaven sees the body of Jesus. Heaven sees the bride of Jesus. Heaven sees the building, God's building. He's building people together into his presence here on earth. Heaven sees light and life. When God looks at the church, really what he sees, he sees himself. He sees his light and his life being offered into a cold and dark and lonely world. And you and I are or can be part of the church. So this leads me to a question. I want to ask you this question. I think it's an important question. Um, are you in? Like, are you in? And, and you, can, like, you can come to church and you can watch church online and not be in the church. Being in the church is about a relationship. It's not about walking in the doors or logging into, onto the website. Being in the church is about a relationship and it really kind of goes back to that question that Jesus asked his followers that day at that verse we kind of kicked this conversation off with. The question Jesus asks is, who do you say that I am? And, and how we answer that question determines whether or not we're in. And the people who are in are the people who are saying yes to what Peter said. You're the Messiah, Jesus, you are God's Messiah. You are his anointed one. You are, you are the one who has come to save us. You are God's Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And that confession, agreement with that statement, that, that's, that's the gatekeep to get in, is how, how you are believing who you believe Jesus is in relationship with you. And so asking that really important question, are you in this, this beautiful, wonderful, miraculous thing when heaven looks at it, are you in? And, and then as you, as you think about that, there's, there's kind of some ways to think about it. I'm just kind of giving you this continuum that maybe will help you think through some other things in your relationship with the church. Because remember, we all drift to apathy. When something is constantly available, when there's, when there's more of it than we can possibly absorb, we all drift towards apathy and even things that are holy and precious become common to us. And so here's, here's, some, here's some ideas, maybe ways of thinking about yourself. And the first is like not in, and you notice like there's a, there's a line there between not in and in. Who do you say that I am? You know, Jesus' question, there's, that's the question. And, and when you're in agreement that he is the Christ, he's the son of the living God, he is your savior, he's God's sacrifice for your sins. Like when you're in, then you're in. And we all come in as spectators. Right? When, and maybe when you were a little kid, and maybe you were grown up somewhere in between, but when you come to that place where you recognize who Jesus is and he brings you into his church, you're in. But we all come in as spectators because it's new and we don't know, and we're trying to figure things out, and most of us, when we're trying to figure something else, we kinda, we kinda step back and we, we watch a little bit, and rightly so. Right? We're trying to figure it out, what's next, and so, so maybe for you, you're in, but you, you just kinda stuck in that, in that spectator role, and so there's, there's another step for you as you engage with, participate in this church, is to be involved. 
And so you're not a spectator anymore. You're, you would say like, this is, this is church and I, I don't just go. Like I'm involved and that could mean a hundred different things, but you, it's more than I'm just trying to watch this. I'm just watching this. I'm kind of where you feel like I'm in, but I'm kind of on the edge. It's like I'm moving more towards the middle of this thing. And it means something different for each one of us that we're involved. But to be, begin moving towards involvement in the, this thing when heaven looks, it's an amazing thing to us. And then after involvement, you know, there's one of the places we get hung up, that next word that I've given you in this continuum is independent. Because there's, there's this, God did not give the church and did not intend the church to be full of people who are independent, who are in relationship with Jesus but independent of one another. And at least in our version, American version of Christianity for however many years, that is, that is the tendency that we are, we're in and we're involved but we are independent. We still, like, we set our own boundaries and we make sure that we don't really cross anything that is, like, we, we're in charge of ourselves. And what God created in the church, we see those images, the body and the building and the bride, it's, it is about people coming together and what God created us for is interdependence. Not independence, but interdependence is what God has created us for. And so thinking about your, your participation in the church is like, are you still kind of, are you in control of, and you make sure that you've, you kind of keep your, keep your boundaries and keep your distance and you've got them where you want them so that you stay comfortable and nobody gets too close or only the people that you prefer get close enough to you, then like, that's, you have a next step from independent to interdependence. And then this, that last one there that's on our continuum is this, it's the word engaged. Engaged, this is, this is, these are yes people, right? These are, these are people who their answer is yes. And again, engagement looks different for different people with different giftedness and different resources, different time, different energy. It looks different, but it's a matter of the heart. And it's, and it's about being yes, a yes to this beautiful thing that God has given us the opportunity to be part of. His body, his bride, his building to be a golden lampstand in our community, in our world, to, to move progressively from being not in to being in and being involved and away from independence really into interdependence and, and to being fully engaged so that, so that we are, we are the body of Christ and each one of us has a part in it. And so I wanna wrap all this up really just asking you to think about, to reflect, to prayerfully consider where, where do you fall on this continuum? And, and as you think about that, it's a question for you not just to ask yourself, but a question to ask the Lord. He, it's his church, right? We're his children, we're part of his family, his bride, and to ask him where we fall, each one of us falls on this, and then to ask him and to prayerfully consider, what's your next step? Like, what's your next step? Is it moving from not in to in? Have you been on the edge of this stuff? You've been looking at it? You've been thinking about this? You've been considering it for a while? Kind of think you've figured out who Jesus is. You just haven't said yes to him yet. And maybe so for you, it's taking that next step to say yes, or maybe it's moving in a step deeper towards what engaged looks like for you where you are right now in your life. And the most 
as you come into as you come into a deeper relationship with the church we get to be part of the body the bride the building of god the church is the hope of the world and you and i from heaven's perspective we're part of this amazing beautiful miraculous thing and it's not just about what we get to be part of tease you for a little bit for next week it's about what we get to do not only do we get to be part of this awesome thing we were created for way more than what most of us settle for in our lives. And so I'm excited to share that with you next week. So I'd like to pray for us. Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes for me? I'm gonna pray for you individually. I'm gonna pray for us as a church. So Father, thank you for allowing us to be part of your church. It's an incredible gift to us. Be enough if you rescued us from our sins, but You've gone beyond and you let us be part of Jesus' body and bride and this beautiful thing that you're building. And so thank you for including us in what you have going on. And we say yes to that. Just for myself, for my friends, our answer to you is yes. And so I'm asking in advance as we all consider where we are, what our next steps in relationship with each other and relationship with you, what they are, would you, would you show the way and would you give us the faith to say yes to that next step? And it is our great privilege to, to be your golden lampstand, Jesus, in our community and in this world. So thank you for letting us be part of your life and light and hold out your life and your light and your truth to our friends and our neighbors near and far. Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your name, amen. So thank you all for being here this weekend. Um, yeah, thanks. If you need somebody to pray for you about something we've talked about, about something that's going on in your life, we'll have prayer team members down here at the front. They would love to pray for you. God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.